people have been asking, and it is finally here. My next live event, Work On Your Game Live, is taking place. Write these dates down. February 3rd and 4th, that's a Friday and a Saturday, here in beautiful, sunny, warm Miami, Florida, February 2023, February 3rd and 4th. At this event, we're going to help you achieve three specific things. You can write these things down too. Number one, help you raise your level of performance, because as I always say, this is a performance-based business that we are in. Number two, increase the consistency of your performance. This means you don't only perform at a high level, but you can do it over and over and over again. And number three, you're going to make more money in your business. If you are into making more money and generating more revenue in your business, we're going to do all of that. Those three things, performance, consistency, revenue, at Work On Your Game Live. Now, how we're going to do that are four specific things, the mindset that you need to show up every day and do the work, the strategy so that you have a game plan of action, the system so that you can execute the strategy consistently without fail, with very little variation from moment to moment, and the execution to go and get it done over and over and over again. Those are just details. But just keep these three things in mind that I told you at the top. Performance, consistency, income. If you are interested in any one of those three things or two of them or all three, go to workonyourgame.live. Again, workonyourgame.live. Get your ticket to the event. I am hosting. I will be teaching the entire two days. We'll give you food and snacks and coffee and donuts and all that. We have VIP dinners both nights that are optional if you would like to join. And I mean, it's Miami. Who doesn't want to be in Miami in the middle of February when it's the coldest part of the year everywhere else in the United States? Get your ticket by going to workonyourgame.live. Then text me. Let me know that you're coming. And we're going to know who everybody is, who needs to meet who. I'm going to make sure everybody gets exactly what you need out of that. You will not leave that room unless you have a full game plan moving forward of action to take your business where it needs to go. Workonyourgame.live. Wherever you're listening to the show, please subscribe to the show so that you are getting notified about every new episode that comes out. And leave a rating of the show so that other people can know about it. We can move up the algorithm so other people can work on their game the same way you're working on your game. Now let's get to it. I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894. 305-384-6894. Straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. Passive aggression is a common tactic that people use in conversation simply because most people are not comfortable with direct frontal engagements. Pretty exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach, too. Hey, you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game. DreAllDay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. You are now tuned into the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work. 
confidence to put yourself out there, bold way and offensively, and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative. That is the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. And then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, and techniques, all under the umbrella of one unifying philosophy. Here's the philosophy. It is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic is about framing in conversations. We're going to be talking about framing here today. If you don't know what framing is, that's okay, because I'm going to explain what it is. I'm going to explain why it matters. I'm going to explain how it gets used all the time in almost every conversation. There is a frame in that conversation and how you can start being more strategic about how it happens in the conversation that you engage in. Now, before we do that, let me tell you, I want to have a daily motivation text that I send out free of charge every single day to everyone who is in my text community. This message is guaranteed to keep you focused, sharp, and on point. If you would like to receive this text, all you got to do is text me at my number, which is 305-384-6894. And every day when I send out that daily motivation text, you'll be receiving it free of charge straight to your phone. Secondly, if you have not yet claimed your free copy of my book called The Third Day, The Decision That Separates the Pros from the Amateurs, you should because... This book is all about how you condition yourself and strategically set yourself up to systematically show up and do your job at your best level, even on the days that you don't feel like doing it. There is a process to doing this. I will show you exactly what it is and how to do it and how to set it up for yourself. All you got to do is read my book. It's called The Third Day. I'll give you a free copy. Just cover the shipping. Go to thirddaybook.com. Thirddaybook.com. The book's free. Just cover the shipping. Third, my next live event called Work On Your Game Live is taking place February 3rd and 4th in Miami. A few people have been asking me, we are not streaming this event. There is no live stream. There is no virtual version. Be in the room or be physically in the room. Put your ass where your brain is. All right, if you are serious about taking your game to the next level, invest in yourself, come to this event. If you like what you hear on this show, what we're going to be covering in that event, three specific things you're going to walk away with. Higher level performance, consistency for that high performance, and the results that come with it. One, two, three. That is what you're going to get out of this event. There's a ton of details that go into how you're going to get those things. Go to workingyourgame.live and on that page, I have listed out everything we're going to be covering. And there's going to be more that I'll cover that I don't even have listed on there because I might come up with some new ideas between now and then. But understand, you're going to be in a room for two full days with me and a bunch of like-minded people. If you trust my message and you trust that I know what I'm doing, which both are true, you need to be at workingyourgame.live or workingyourgame.live by going to workingyourgame.live and getting your tickets to that event. Again, that's February 3rd and 4th in Miami. And listen, write this off on your taxes as a business expense. And fourth, if you want to be coached by me, you want to join my coaching program, I only have one coaching program, not two, not five, not three, one program. If you want to get in that program, you have to get on a call with me first. The call is free, but I vet everybody who I work with. Go to workonyourgame.net slash apply. Workonyourgame.net, put the slash, and then put the word apply, A-P-P-L-Y. A schedule will come up for you to pick a time on a calendar that works for you. Make sure it's a time you can actually show up with. Do not no-show any of my calls because I will not get on another call with you if you do. And then there's a quick application that comes up. Fill out the application and we will get on a call and talk about what we need to talk about. And I'll tell you what the program looks like, how it works and all of that. If you are someone that looks like you'd be a good candidate to be in our program, again, that's workingyourgame.net slash apply. With all that said, let's get into the topic here today. We're talking about framing. Now, first of all, I want to read something from an article that I wrote about the Kyrie Irving situation that happened. By the time you are hearing this, it's a probably a month or so old, but it's a few weeks old from when I'm recording this. And it goes into what we're going to be talking about here today. 
So uh, what happened in the Kyrie Irving situation, for those of you who don't know, Kyrie's a basketball player. He posted the link to a documentary. It's a documentary that, long story short, makes some claims that the real Jewish people are not these white people you see walking around the United States, but the real Jews are actually black people. And this guy goes through history and he makes his claim and his interpretation of history that black people are the Jews, not the white people in America. And then he makes some the person in the documentary that is not Kyrie, makes some disparaging remarks about white Jewish people in America. And Kyrie just posted a link to the documentary. He did not give any context. He didn't say anything. He just posted a link to the documentary and he ended up getting suspended for posting a link to this documentary. And I argue in my article about Kyrie that him posting the link is not anti-Jewish hate. I, I argue that this is actually the policing of words and thoughts. And it's about the NBA and the media. Then the media basically works as the watchdogs for the NBA because it was those people who were asking Kyrie the questions, not the NBA, but the media. And they were making it clear that you're allowed freedom of speech and using your platform and being, quote unquote, more than an athlete. You remember that? More than an athlete. You can be more than an athlete as long as you're colored within the lines that we have set for you. And that's what this really became about. And the thing is, what Kyrie and Kanye West, both of them failed to do in their situations where they made you know, remarks that got, got them labeled as anti-Semitic or hateful or hurtful or harmful or whatever, is that they failed to hold the frame in the conversation. So let me read what I said. This is a parenthetical in my article about Kyrie Irving. This is straight from my article. And you can read this on my Facebook page. You can find it. You can also find it on my Substack, workonyourgame.substack.com. So this, what I just explained to you, and this is quoting, making it clear what the discussion actually is, is called framing. Framing is deciding what the goalposts are and not allowing them to be moved by your opposition. Trained media people, TV folks and writers are skilled at it, and it's how they, quote unquote, win arguments. There's also something that Kyrie and Kanye are terrible at, and one of the main reasons why both of them got buried when backlash started to accumulate against them. Colin Kaepernick was terrible at it, too, which is why his thing went from black bodies in the street, was what he first said, to disrespecting the flag, was what everybody else said. Cap lost control of the frame and never got it back. Framing is a professional communication skill and something that seasoned against the grain debaters, think Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, heck, even Donald Trump, are really good at and why they rarely lose arguments. Watch them in interviews and you'll start to notice it. Close quote. Okay, so that's the end of the quote. Now let's get into what this conversation is about. And this is the critique that I have for both Kanye West and Kyrie Irving in both of their situations is that when they started to receive backlash for what they were saying, and I had a good idea of what they were both trying to convey, but they both failed to convey clearly and articulately enough, was that they lost the frame of the conversation. Because when people started to come at them and say, well, you're saying this when they weren't actually saying it, because they failed to hold the frame and say, no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this and be clear about it. They allowed their detractors to change the frame of the situation, shift the terrain of the conversation. And when they lost control of it, that was pretty much it. And that's the exact thing happened to both of them. Also, Colin Kaepernick, again, I used him as an example. It happened to all three of them in these situations because of their failure in communication. That is the one critique that I would have for all of those gentlemen if any of them ever asked me. None of them have, but if they did, this is exactly what I would say to them. And what happens when you fail to hold the frame of the conversation, especially on a hot button topic, is you leave the, con the frame open to to be shifted by people who take the worst possible interpretation of your actions and words and use those interpretations against you. All right. That's what happens when you fail to hold the frame. That's why this matters so much. So today we're going to talk about framing and conversations, why it matters and how to keep control of your own frame, especially when you're talking about a subject that might possibly upset or disturb the people who you're talking to. Point number one, today's topic once again is framing in conversations. Number one, Framing is simply choosing the terrain and setting the tone for a conversation. That's what a frame is. 
You choose the ground on which the conversation is going to take place and you set the tone for the conversation when you are setting the frame. If you ever heard the negative version of framing, it's like the actual definition of framing is to paint a picture against the person using false evidence to make them appear guilty of some form of crime or a transgression. If somebody says I was framed, it's like somebody gets arrested for murder, but they didn't actually commit the murder because somebody framed them to have been the murderer. They're setting the tone and the grounds of the conversation that you actually did it. And now you got to prove your innocence when everybody's decided that you're guilty. So although that's not the context that I'm using in which I'm using the word today, definition is still useful for us because framing in a conversation is all about making clear exactly what angle you're taking and why. And the thing is, there are many different angles anybody can take on any situation, especially one that's emotional, because when people get emotional, they stop thinking logically and they will go any direction they need to go to to try to prove themselves right or to defend themselves, especially when they feel challenged. So that's why it's very important that you get clear on your frames when you're having a conversation. And it's also especially important in any conversation, a topic that can be interpreted in more ways than one. And something that offends a person can be interpreted in a thousand different ways. So it's pretty much any topic. So, for example, Kyrie Irving. He posted the link to this documentary that is no three hours and 28 minutes long. Now, in three hours and 28 minutes, the documentarian, I think that's the word, you can make several claims and assertions in three hours and 28 minutes. There's a lot of assertions you can make. What Kyrie failed to do when he posted the link to this documentary, especially when the backlash came, he continued to fail to do this. And this is where he lost the situation, was make clear that he was not necessarily co-signing any particular claim being made in a documentary. That's all he had to do. All Kyrie Irving had to say was, look, I posted the link to the documentary because there were some things in that documentary that made me think and were intriguing and interesting to me. Because I posted the link to the doc does not necessarily mean I am co-signing everything that the documentary says. Because the documentary makes like 150 claims. I like a few of them. I didn't like all of them. And that's why I posted the link to the documentary. I invite you to go watch the documentary and you make your own conclusions about what you think about it. But just because I posted the link to it doesn't mean I'm co-signing every single thing about it. And again, Kyrie could have said this and could have followed it up by saying, hey, a couple of years ago, the NBA put Black Lives Matter on the basketball courts. Does that mean you co-sign everything Black Lives Matter is about? The NBA will probably say, no, we don't. We just agree with the idea of the concept of Black Lives Matter. But this is what the NBA did that Kyrie did not do. They made it clear what exactly they were supporting by saying that. Kyrie did not do this. And this is where he lost the situation. So if Kyrie is listening to this or someone in Kyrie's camp or if Kyrie ever asked me, Dre, where did I go wrong in that situation? This is what I would tell him. He failed to articulate exactly what he was agreeing with and what he wasn't agreeing with. And he allowed the media to take that situation and basically railroad it into, oh, well, he agrees with everything in the documentary or he has to prove that he doesn't agree with it, which is some bullshit that the media did to him. But because he didn't articulate anything different, the situation went how it went because he didn't keep control of the frame. So by not controlling the frame, his detractors were able to come in and attach any handpicked point being made in that documentary and basically attach it to Kyrie Irving and basically force him to apologize for claims that he had not personally made. So this was Kyrie's failure in this situation. And then what happened is the powers that be decided that they were going to force Kyrie to apologize for claims that he never even made. So he had to apologize for things that are said in a documentary that he didn't make. It's not his documentary. He's not selling it. All he did was post a link to it. Now he has to apologize for things that that documentary said because, again, and he, to this point, as of this recording, he still has not come out and said, look, I like certain parts of it. I don't agree with everything in it. Just because I posted a link doesn't mean I agree with everything in something. And he could give examples of other people doing the exact same thing, but he didn't do this. And this is a mistake on his part. This is something that he would have to be held accountable for. Again, hopefully he has somebody in his life who can actually tell him this. And if he asked me, this is exactly what I would say to him. And I don't think he did anything wrong. 
But if he wants to ask, did he make a mistake? Is there anywhere that he strategically slipped up? This is where. So now he's apologizing or they're trying to force him to apologize for stuff that he didn't do. Now, had he wanted to control the frame, Kyrie could have said, as I just said, I'm not necessarily co-signing anything in the documentary, but I just have a right to post a link to it because it's out publicly. It's for sale. It's been on sale for four or five years. I'm just posting a link to it because it's interesting. He don't even have to say he agrees with anything in it. He said, I don't have to say whether I agree with anything in the documentary at all. I just felt it was interesting. That's why I shared it. I have a First Amendment right to share that link. I do not have to speak for, defend, or apologize for anything that's in that documentary. Now, had he said that, could he have still gotten suspended and raked through the coals? Yes, but he would have a much stronger case had he said that. But he didn't say that. And that's the challenge here. That would have eliminated anybody handpicking anything out of the doc because he could have said, look, I'm not saying I agree with anything in it. I'm just posting it and I got a right to that. But since he didn't do that, now people could use it against him. Moving on to point number two. Today's topic, once again, is framing in conversations. Number two, framing is important because it allows you to choose the grounds upon which a conversation is taking place. It's basically you're choosing the canvas upon which the picture is being painted. And when you don't have control over the frame, what happens is your opposition, especially when they are, are trying to make you look bad, they get to control the parameters of the exchange. And so if you have an antagonistic relationship with whoever you're talking to, let's say it's the media trying to make you look bad or you're in a debate or somebody's just trying to whatever, paint a picture of you being a bad person for whatever reason, they get to control the parameters if you don't set the frame. And if they are clever, they can use that frame against you. And there are some very clever people who work in media. I mean, this is literally what they do for a living. So if you watch people, rather, who are really good at debate, you'll notice that they're very good at creating, holding, and maintaining the frame of a conversation, even when their opposition tries to take it from them. So what I mean by this is, let's say when someone tries to move the goalposts on you, or they try to change the subject of a point that you've made, good debaters are good at catching that and pointing it out and not allowing somebody to do it. So when you watch the people who I named, like the Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, Candace Owens, Kevin Samuels before he passed away, even Donald Trump when he was president, they were very good at this, at holding the frame of a conversation. In other words, making the person who they're talking to keep talking about the topic that they wanted to talk about, not the topic that anybody else wanted to talk about. And usually people talk about topics that they can be right about and topics in which they know what they're talking about so they can look more competent and they can, quote unquote, win the conversation. This is what skilled communicators do. And all of you who are listening, you can become a skilled communicator. You just need to install these abilities. And guess what? We will be talking about this at Work On Your Game Live, February 3rd and 4th in Miami. I also cover this in my people skills course that you can get access to at workonyourgameuniversity.com. So skilled communicators are really good at controlling the frame and they don't allow anyone else to shift the ground underneath their feet. So for example, when Donald Trump his first few years back, his first debate, I don't know if it was his first one, but it was the first, the one that everybody remembers when he was running for the Republican nomination for president in 2015, before the 2016 election. There was like so many people running for it. It was like nine people at a debate. And Megyn Kelly, I remember, was she was moderating the debate. And she called on Donald Trump. She was going to ask him a question. And well, she did ask him a question. She said, well, Mr. Trump, it has been widely put out there publicized that you have made some disparaging remarks about women. And before Megyn Kelly could finish the question, Donald Trump interrupted her and said, only Rosie O'Donnell. And everybody laughed because for years back, before he got into politics, Donald Trump and Rosie O'Donnell had this public war of words. And, you know, Donald Trump likes to just 
belittle and just talk down on people. It means people who he doesn't like. And he had made some disparaging remarks about Rosie and Rosie had made remarks about him. And it kind of became this funny thing. So when he interrupted Megyn Kelly and said that on the stage when he's running for president, it was really funny because you wouldn't think someone who's running for president would even admit to something like that and do it in, as brashly as he did it. But the whole point is, the reason I'm bringing that up is because Donald Trump did not allow Megyn Kelly to shift the frame and make it him. Because what she was doing by asking that question, she was setting him up to have to defend himself against these allegations that he talks negatively about women, which he probably didn't want to have that conversation because you're trying to run for president. So you probably don't want women thinking that you talk negatively about them. So he interrupted her and he shifted the conversation back to his terrain, which is only Rosie O'Donnell. Only got a problem with one woman, not all women, just one woman. And that moment was a pivotal moment for him because, first of all, he grabbed all the attention. He sucked all the air off the stage and put it all on him and took all the attention off all the other candidates. He made people laugh who already liked him. And he got people who you know, kind of were sleepwalking through paying attention to it to say, damn, this guy actually is honest. At least he admitted he trashed one person. It was a shifting of the frame. And that's the point that I'm pointing out to you is I'm not saying you have to do this, but this is a good example of it. So all human beings, especially in confrontational situations, will attempt to shift the frame, although most people do it unconsciously when people are in confrontation. To give you an example, i give you another example. I was in a conversation with a person. I'm not going to say who this person was, but I will say it was a black man. Okay. So in this conversation, there's actually three people in this conversation, but it was me and another guy were talking. Another person was listening. And this black man who I was talking to, he tried to make the point that he never says anything to put other people down. This is what he started to frame the conversation by saying this. He said, you know, I'm the type of person, Dre, I never say anything to put other people down or groups of people down. I don't talk like that. I don't do that. I interrupted him and said, well, that's actually not true because I remember a conversation that I had with you not too long ago when this black man, and this did actually happen. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story. I said to him, there's a conversation a couple of years ago where you, black man, made a whole bunch of negative statements about white people. And he actually had done this and he knew he did it because he started laughing when I pointed out. I said, oh, don't you remember that conversation we all had? And there was multiple people in this conversation years back when you were just talking all this shit about white people, black men. And he laughed and everybody else in the conversation laughed because everybody knows that he had done this. He laughed because he knew that I was telling him the truth and holding a mirror up to his bullshit that he was trying to claim because we all remember this took place. Here's how he responded. He tried to defend himself by saying that something that I had said to him or that others in that prior conversation had said to him led to him talking shit about white people. And I, this was an attempt to shift the frame. Notice this subtle trick. See, he tried to shift the frame by saying, well, you said this and that, and this other guy said this and that, and that's why I started saying the things that I said. I said, bullshit. You are a grown man. You can't blame another person's comments or words for forcing you to say something out of your mouth. And this is an attempt to shift the frame. And what I did was bring the conversation right back to his bullshit point and said, no, let's don't try to change the subject to try to blame your words on another person. You said those negative things about a whole group of people. And now you're trying to sit here and say you don't put down groups of people when you know that you do. And he couldn't say anything else back to that. And this is a subtle trick that people try to do all the time. The thing is, you just got to get good at noticing it and calling it out and catching it before they move on. And they have successfully shifted the frame because they'll change the subject to something that isn't even being discussed so they can talk about something that they're more comfortable talking about. So he was more comfortable trying to defend himself against a straw man that never even happened rather than having to answer to something that he had actually done. So he didn't want that mirror being held up to him. So he tried to change the subject. But you got to catch people in their bullshit because people do this all the time. Everybody does it. You just got to get good at catching it and pointing it out to people so that they can't bullshit you and basically run you around in circles. This is a subtle trick, but many people do this unconsciously. Many people don't do it on purpose. They do it unconsciously 
because it allows them to talk about something that they can be right about and something that they're comfortable with. And the untrained ear usually falls victim to this and ends up arguing about something that has nothing to do with the actual topic. All right, you end up arguing about a point that has nothing to do with why you even started the conversation. So when you catch it, you can point it out to people. And again, as I said, tell him that nothing that anybody else said forced him to say what he said. He couldn't refute this because I had kept the frame where he couldn't escape from the main point. And in the end, he had to accept his claim that he doesn't put other people down was bullshit because the truth had been put into his face. The frame had been held and he couldn't escape it by changing the subject. So when you're able to maintain the frame, it's a very good tool. Maintaining the frame is a very useful tool for shutting people the hell up, especially when they're trying to push some bullshit in a conversation. And people, again, especially in the world that we're in today, where people are much more passive aggressive and less direct aggressive. And one of the reasons is because we have social media where people can Google information and take their time to respond to stuff rather than direct conversation where they don't have the luxury of time to think about what to say. Because people are much more passive aggressive these days, you have to be good at holding the frame so that they can't bullshit you and shift the ground under your feet and change the subject every time they get uncomfortable. But you have to catch it as it's happening. You can't wait. Point number three. Today's topic, once again, is framing in conversations. Passive aggression is a common tactic that people use in conversations simply because most people are not comfortable with direct frontal engagement. This is the reason why you get so much passive aggression these days. And this is how people are able to shift the frame because they can be passive aggressive. So they can take their time. They can you know, try to change the subject. You know, talk about different. You ask them a direct question about a certain point, And instead of answering that question, they shift the ground by or they try to shift the ground by answering a question or addressing a topic that has nothing to do with what you just asked them. And again, if you start noticing this, you notice that people do it all the time. And let's be honest, many of you do this all the time. Is this a human habit? All humans do it. So when you directly confront someone with a topic, they will often resort to shifting the ground underneath your feet by changing the subject to something with which they can confuse you or they can buy themselves some time. And this is a form of passive aggression, trying to confuse you by changing the subject or trying to buy time. You ever watch a TV show on like trial lawyers or police interrogation? You'll notice that lawyers and police are really good at not falling for this trick and they don't go down a rabbit hole of shifting terrain. So when someone tries to change the subject, they ask a direct question. If someone tries to change the subject by talking about something else. What do you usually get? You'll get a police officer, interrogator or a lawyer. They'll interrupt them by saying, no, answer the question. Answer the question that I asked you or they'll restate the question, say the same thing again. And they'll hold that person and force them to answer that question, basically holding their feet to the fire. They will hold the line and make sure that the thing that they want to address actually gets addressed. This is how you hold the frame in a conversation. So with all that said, Let's recap today's class, which is framing in conversation. So today we're talking about the understandings. Tomorrow, we're actually going to do more on this subject. Tomorrow, what we're going to talk about are the tools for actually framing in a conversation. So today's just helping you understand how it works. So point number one, framing is simply the terrain and setting, choosing the terrain and setting the tone for a conversation. So if you ever heard the negative version of a frame, it's like when somebody says I was framed for a crime. Somebody said that I did this, but I didn't do it. But all the evidence looks like I did do it. That's framing. So you can frame the conversation in a positive way by making sure you're clear on exactly what you want to talk about. Framing in a conversation about making clear exactly what the angle it is you're taking and why you are taking that angle. The better you can set the frame in a conversation, the less doors you leave open for your opposition, especially when they're trying to make you look bad to actually succeed and make you look bad. 
Point number two, framing is important because it allows you to choose the grounds upon which a conversation is taking place. You choose the canvas upon which the picture is being painted. And when people are clever, they will use the frame against you if you are not good at mastering it. So when you watch good debaters, Ben Shapiro's, Jordan Peterson, Candace Owens, Kevin Samuels before he passed away, Donald Trump, these people are really good at holding the frame in a conversation. Some of them do it on purpose. Some of them is just a natural ability. Some of them, they just got good at it because they did it so much. But you got to get very good at creating and maintaining the frame of whatever you want a conversation to be about. So people can't shift the ground underneath your feet. This is how you get into these long and meandering conversations with people because they keep changing the subject every time they get uncomfortable on a topic. But you got to be able to hold people's feet to the fire and cast them in their bullshit. Like this black guy who I was talking to, who tried to tell me he never puts groups down when I reminded him, dude, just not too long ago, we had a conversation where you were just shitting on white people every opportunity that you could get. And now you're talking about you never put other groups down. And because he couldn't change the subject and he knew I was telling the truth, he couldn't say anything because I held his feet to the fire on the bullshit that he was trying to push into that conversation. So you got to be able to slap people in the face with the truth and not allow them to escape and weasel their way out of owning that truth when you hold it up to their faces. But you got to be quick on the draw and catching them when it happens. And point number three, passive aggression is a common tactic that people use in conversations because these days it's getting more like this. People are becoming less and less comfortable with direct frontal engagement. So when you confront someone with a topic, they often resort to changing the subject because they don't want to deal with things directly. So if you're the type of person who is willing to deal with things directly, again, look at a trial lawyer or a police interrogator. If someone doesn't answer a direct question, they keep saying that question and pounding them upside the head with that question until they answer it. Why? Because they're not going to let you weasel out of not addressing something that they want addressed usually to their benefit. And a lawyer is really good at this. Interrogators also are good at it because they want to get the answers that they want to get. So you got to get good at holding the line and making sure you actually get the thing addressed that you want addressed. And tomorrow we're going to talk about the tools for actually framing in conversations. So with all that said, a couple things to do. Number one, text me to get my daily motivation. My number is 305-384-6894. Number two, go get your free copy of The Third Day. Go to thirddaybook.com. The book's free. Cover the shipping. Number three, get your ticket to work on your game live. If you like what we talked about here today, you want to master your communication skills, it's going to be part of the strategy and systems that we're going to be talking about in both day one and day two. Master your communication skills. You get your point across and not allow people to bullshit you and make sure you're not bullshitting anyone. Get your ticket by going to workonyourgame.live. I will see you in Florida. Miami, February 3rd and 4th. And number four, you want to be coached by me? I got one coaching program is Work On Your Game University. Go to workonyourgame.net slash apply. Pick a time on the calendar, then fill out the application form. It's a brief application, but make sure you fill it out. So when we get on the call, I know who I'm talking to and have an idea what you're about, and where you're coming from. We'll talk about what we need to talk about on that free call. And then I'll tell you what the program looks like, how it will work, what it would take to get in it and all of that. That is at workonyourgame.net slash apply. Work on your game. Dre all day. I have a text message line now where every single day from my number, I am sending out a text to everyone in my community with a daily motivation message to keep you sharp, focused and on point to get started and be energized for your day. If you want to receive my daily motivation text, just send a quick text right now to say hello to this number, 305-384-6894. Again, 305-384-6894. Get my daily motivation text straight to your phone free of charge, 305-384-6894.